Welcome to Advancing All Women with Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Women in the U.S. workforce have long faced work environments that have systematically disadvantaged them. And those with intersectional identities, such as women of color, LGBTQIA plus women, and women with disabilities face even greater challenges, such as pay disparities pay disparities, a lack of advancement opportunities, and penalties for pregnancy and caregiving, they're just some of the many indicators that work environments are rarely designed to be inclusive and equitable for all women. Women have faced these structural barriers well before the pandemic, right, such as an extra month each year of unpaid and non-promotable tasks at work, and asymmetric household responsibilities at home. The onset of the pandemic clearly exacerbated these inequities, and, and especially for women with young children and women of color. Women have experienced outsized pressure to manage the social impacts of the pandemic and subsequent shutdowns, leaving the workforce in droves to manage caregiving, virtual schooling, and extended quarantines. Why even today, in fact, right? The Supreme Court ruling in July 2022 overturning Roe versus Wade has created yet another seismic shift for women who now must navigate complex and ever-changing healthcare realities and the impact that it has on their careers. These issues are all front and center for women, and, and now increasingly more so for men as well. Many employees and their families are struggling with the mental and the physical health impacts of the pandemic and the evolving American legal and social landscape. Caregivers who struggle to find quality care before the pandemic are finding it even more difficult to find caregiving support, even today. Employees have seen their organizations turn on a dime to adapt the workplace for the realities of these seismic and global shifts. And this has opened the eyes of employees to what is possible the creativity and the adaptability that employers offered in response is something that employees just now do not want to give up. And so we see employers facing a job market where millions have exited the workforce, the great reshuffle, right? And they're exiting to find that flexibility they need to care for their families. And workers are switching jobs in search of those virtual options, this, along with many other drivers, has left employers struggling to find workers. So today, in our podcast, we're going to explore how employers can attract and retain talent by creating a more humane work environment for all through gender-centered design. I am Sarah Alter, the host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and proudly the CEO and president of Next Up. Today, I am joined by two incredible leaders. We have Melissa Hurd, 
VP and General Manager at American Express, and Tiffany Mawinney, Principal at the Deloitte U.S. Consulting Consumer Practice. Welcome to you both. Hi, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Welcome. All righty. So let's dive in. Um, Melissa, let's start with you. Uh, tell us what in your personal and professional journey has brought you to this, what I know is going to be a really informative conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me, Sarah. Um, I spent the first 10 years of my professional career really as an individual contributor. So I didn't have kids. I had a job that gave me a lot of autonomy. I traveled around the world. I was really able to, you know, make the uh, best of both working hard and achieving a lot professionally um, and, you know, really being fulfilled personally. Um, and then I had a wonderful opportunity. I moved to Manhattan to take on a leadership role at American Express about 10 years ago. Uh, and I've been with the company in a variety of opportunities. So I joined um, as a leader in the marketing organization. And then American Express has really been focused on uh, enriching our team members' whole career. So um, I've had the opportunity to move into travel partnerships, leadership, as well as I now lead our everyday spend team. And with that, taking on both more strategic responsibilities and more leadership responsibilities. So I'm now the leader of leaders, um, which means I'm really thinking more about Mm -hmm. how not just my personal impact, but also how I support my team's impact to the organization and our culture in a whole new way. Um, And then Personally, over the last 10 years, I got married. I've been lucky enough to have two beautiful sons relatively Mm -hmm. later in life, um, which means I'm also juggling a whole new set of responsibilities outside of work. So this concept of gender-centric design and more equitable workplaces is frankly something I probably didn't, you know, I had the luxury of not really impacting me earlier in my career, but now is only is now so critical to how I think about how I'm showing up, as well as how I'm helping my team show up and be effective, not just who they are professionally, because everybody's like, you know, really strong, outgoing performers who wants to do the best at work, but also how they're showing up outside of work as well. Um, And so, of course, at American Express, we're also looking at how our colleagues are um, moving through the world and facing different life challenges. And, and while some of them are things we're celebrating, some of them are also things that are, you know, really are challenges and how we're helping them bring their whole selves to work, both personally and professionally. So I'm really excited to share how we have integrated some of these thoughts into American Express over the past few years, um, as well as, you know, continuing the journey with conversations like these. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No. And, and for those listening, you're, you're going to hear that, you know, Amex is clearly one of those better practice, you know, organizations. We at Next Step, um, we've stopped saying our incredible Karen Jones has taught us there's no such thing as a best practice. There's better practices, you know, because what may work, you know, in this organization, somewhat tweaked, you know, may work here. So, uh, you know, so excited to hear more. And then Tiffany has joined us. And and just to set the stage here and give credit where credit is due, um, well, Amex is one of our incredible partners, but Deloitte is also an incredible partner. And we've partnered a couple of times yes. on, right? On, yes, on, really on, on 
studies. And uh, so this was a joint effort between the incredible Deloitte team and then our next up team. And so, you know, incredibly excited that, you know, we've, we've been able to really shape, I, I think it's our third, right? Tiffany? Yeah, our- maybe even fourth. Fifth, yeah. if we go way back, we go, <laughs> we've been yeah. around for a while doing this together. And I love that we can generate really wonderful pieces, engage with partners across various industries yeah, and then talk about issues that we're navigating as women. So it's, it's, it's one of the yeah. reasons why when we talked about this uh, topic, myself, you know, obviously now a principal with Deloitte and, but started out working in, you know, field operations and in industry mm-hmm. with a retail company. And so I've definitely got a sense now between the field and headquarters, how this impact kind of came about and working with companies Mm -hmm. over the years and advancing, um, you know, women's issues, but also just like broader transformation. You get to see a lot of things that impact, you know, their, their bottom line and where they need to actually make decisions. And the past three years with COVID um, our business was, you know, really, really strong as companies had to navigate and pivot, um, you know, what, what's going to happen. Some segments were up, some segments were down. Um, So I just think about this journey that we've been on, you know, I think about both Deloitte internally and the practices that we've put forward and then also helping companies think through and navigate um, what's going to happen as they continue to try and transform and grow but balance, you know, some of the things that need to happen in order to actually help their associates also flourish in this environment. So, you know, as you mentioned, we've done papers across mm-hmm. you know, a variety of different topics. This one is especially kind of, I love rooted a little bit personally mm-hmm. as well. I'm a mother mm-hmm. of two. I had my children at the firm. Um, you know, I've been a member with Next Up here now for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I had my children for, uh, you know, or had Aurora, it was a really pivotal moment for me. And I ended up getting you know, different counsel ways that I could navigate that career moment. Um, and now, obviously, we've made some of those fundamental practices and changes with flexibility and predictability in our work uh, for female practitioners. And Next Up was awesome and, you know, partnering on that. But I feel like we've kind of continued to your point in the introduction. There's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the pandemic really exacerbated so many different things for so many different cohorts, women, and then the intersectionality that you talked about. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to be here today and talk yeah. through kind of where we see some of that impact now um, in different industries. And then, you know, I can talk a little bit about Deloitte. I'm going to talk about some of the tenants in the paper um, that, you know, why it was important for us. So happy to be here, Sarah. Yeah, no, thrilled to have you both. Um, but yeah, let's let's dive in. It it um, We are navigating these you know, never this never ending change, you know, it's, it's somebody's coined it the never normal, right. And um, what we're going to share today are going to be, okay, what's that framework? You know, what are those key pillars of, of your environment that you need to be, you know, managing and more importantly, provide you with some solutions, some of those better practices that you can put into play. But Tiffany, walk and talk us through what are those pillars of the gender centric design that people need to know about like this that you know this is what should be the foundation of your culture right and your infrastructure and in supporting you know particularly your female leaders yeah and it's um you know hopefully as people are listening to this they're going to hear echoes of what was really going th- all of us were navigating as we kind of went through the pandemic and some things i think um 
where with companies were able to kind of withstand and or expand certain BRG groups that they had and different activities and work. Um, but other areas I think are net new. And some of the, the information that we had talking with and doing research, we found five main principles. Um, the first was this notion of employee mental and physical health. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more later on about kind of examples that we're seeing in market, mm-hmm. but the, the, the rates that we saw of burnout and just that transition from, you know, going about your day. I mean, I used to travel every week. My husband didn't see me. So it was like, you know, like now all of a sudden I was in the house all the time and there's a whole different dynamic. And that's just my little microcosm. And as we looked out, everybody was navigating these things while also trying to balance care which is another you know, tenant and principle mm-hmm. here. When you think about caregiver support and what we had to do, the pandemic and kind of elevated all of these issues and topics for employees. And they were looking back at employers to say, I, I can't manage all of these things. And, and employers had to make some choices of where they were going to balance you know, hybrid versus fully virtual. Um, and we continue to navigate some of that today. Uh, which also then leads to the third principle around consistency, predictability, and flexibility. You heard me mention that a little bit in the intro. I feel like in in certain sectors, we saw pre-pandemic movement in this route, right? You you saw principles of like companies testing four-day work weeks. We read a little bit about balancing of care. But again, across the actual what you need now, it might be more extreme and it could be more time. And the consistency of that, right, is also really important. You mentioned this word, and it's one that I continue to talk about a lot, which is intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the fourth principle that we really dug into with the paper. And thinking about, we just don't want to talk about women as a, as a co- cohort. When you actually dig in, you see certain populations that are more exacerbated in terms of some of these circumstances than others. And companies really need to address that, whether it be women of color, whether it be LGBTQ, I, you know, or allies, right? Which is actually a whole other flip side of looking at this, which is the fifth principle, this cultivation of allies, which I am proud to say I am an ally of multiple cohorts at work. And I have spent the last probably, you know, four or five years really trying to dig in and look at myself Mm -hmm. and think about how I have to show up at work. And then I love what Melissa said about being a leader, you know, because now you're a leader of leaders and there's, there's things that we need to hold each other accountable for and really help push the needle on certain things. Um, And it's been really inspirational to kind of be writing about this now and actually looking at what certain companies are doing, leading companies such as, you know, uh, Amex with Melissa here, but we talk about Nestle, we talk about Unilever and really upstanding programs. Mm -hmm. So across these five principles. And, and, and they all, like I said, they're so foundational to this concept of, okay, I don't just see you as an employee. I see you as right. a whole person, you know, and I need to serve holistically, support you, you know, holistically and not a new concept. You know, we've been talking about it, you know, for the the last how many years. Um, but, you know, we're going to dive into now some of the, the the better practice organizations and their solutions. And, you know, and let's tee up the first one. No better place to start than American Express. So, Melissa, tell us about Amex Flex, right? Sure, I'm happy to. And I love, I love what you said, Sarah, in terms of, you know, we've talked a lot about bringing your whole self to work, and but mm-hmm. it, it's it's now it's not just a nice to have. It's something that's highly impacting companies' abilities to recruit talent, to keep yeah. good talent, to have a strong team culture, so that our colleagues and our team members can feel like they're thriving, not just professionally, but 
holistically in their lives. Um, and so Amex Flex, it, you know, a hybrid work environment was not, you know, absolutely new or revolutionary at American Express. You know, prior to the pandemic, I worked three or four days in the office. Um, and, you know, there was a variety of work uh, cultures across across the team. But then as we all went, and it's almost hard to remember now, but when we went virtual, there was a this discussion of, well, what is the new normal going to look like? Am I going to be 100% virtual? Is everyone going to be 100% virtual? Um, am I going to get to go back and have expensive Manhattan lunches with my colleagues? Um, <laughs> you know, how do we how right. do we keep that team culture and the conversation? Um, and and will we lose? You know, what was really a fundamental, what is a fundamental part of American Express is our our team culture. If we weren't in the office you know, four or five days a week. Um, and really, we did a lot of discussions with our colleagues, a lot of surveys, um, and wanted to understand what people wanted, right? And how do we strike that right balance? And we heard mm-hmm. that people wanted both flexibility and people loved, you know, the option of, you know, what they got from during the pandemic with some of those elements of of being able to work virtually. But we also wanted to spend time together in person, um, and there were, was a feeling, you know, some felt that they had lost something going 100% virtual. Um, so MX Flex was really created to try to strike that balance, right? And it, the basics of the program, you may, you know, you as an individual can have the flexibility to choose to work hybrid, which might mean you're coming in one to three days a week. You may be 100% virtual, which means you're, you know, 100% virtual. Um, And then, you know, there are a small number of people who are 100% on site, but really trying to build into the program that those tenants, as Tiffany said, of consistency, flexibility, and predictability. So, you know, from a flexibility, if you have a week where you need to be in the office four days a week or five days a week, you know, we need to be flexible about that and we need right. to, to understand that and recognize that. Um, but that there's also an intentionality when we're in the office so that you're using those days to connect and to have the meetings that benefit the most from being in person. So whether it's mentorship, whether it's broader team meetings, um, how, you know, you're not just coming in and sitting at a desk by yourself on Zoom meetings right. in the office. Um And then also being really intentional and us as leaders being more intentional in terms of how we're supporting our virtual employees. How are we including them? Do they have the technology that they need? Um, How are we thinking about, you know, connecting them and making sure that they're brought in so it's not um, a disadvantage to be virtual in any way, but that they feel included and, and we're really thoughtful when it comes to, you know, how we're supporting them and their, their career ambitions, which, you know, are, are, you know, need to be kept at the exact same playing field as, as those who are in the office every, you know, on a weekly basis. How did it, um, how did it work then? Like with your, your hourly, like your fulfillment centers, your customer support centers, because, you know, Tiffany referenced it earlier, it, it, there was impact, both for, you know, what we'll call like a corporate office employee, but then there clearly was impact for those that were in a retail setting or a DC or a call center, et cetera. Yeah. And I think, um, and 
I only have the expertise or, or the knowledge of my direct group um, very well, but I know that across the board, um, there were definitely groups that had traditionally, you know, had the perspective of we're never going to be 100% virtual or we're never going to support someone who's virtual. Right. And they, you know, took a critical look at every group and and thought about how it could be thought about differently or, or supported differently. And as I said, American Express has always prided ourselves on people being able to make a career journey across different parts of our business so that you continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want a particular work environment and it's not supported in one element of the business, that would be limiting. And so there's, um, yeah. you know, that the organization really tried to think through, are we keeping some of these tenants in place because that's the way it's always been. Right. That's not the right answer. Right. Mm -hmm. Where can we challenge? Where can we push? And, you know, obviously if there's something that is absolutely critical to be in person, um, you know, that, that needs to remain, but trying to take a much more broader view and, and challenge the, that status quo. And then, you know, and as, as you said, it's always better practices, right? So we're continuously surveying mm-hmm. the team members, trying to understand, you know, how is it being received and, and how can we continue to make improvements to the program? Because it's, yeah. it's always a work in progress, right? Yeah. So Tiffany, GAP is, is another one too, right? That we've, you know, cited in our paper that, you know, GAP took the approach of, um, in the retail world, it's, it's predictability, it's consistency, right? Like I need to be able to plan, you know, with with caregiving or schooling challenges, I need to be able to plan. And I'm sure you've got other examples too. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the consistency, predictability and flexibility, like within the workforce, I think we're still, especially if you look at hourly workers, still working through what that can mm-hmm. actually look like. And there's still pockets where you see softness in the labor market still. And, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I question whether that's, they just haven't been able to fix that model yet in terms of being able to give standard shifts, you know, and there's a lot of pressures right now, um, as you think about the workforce in the field and or in manufacturing um, around unionization and other things that are all considerations. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, what continues as we go through the, you know, the next probably 12 to 18 months in the market as well. And, and how companies are able to balance delivering that consistency, right? Whether it be part-time work versus full-time. And I think there's a real difference between that field operations versus a headquarters view. Um, but I'm excited by some of the, the programs that I've seen across the board in almost every, every sector of business, yeah. that there's been a recognition that, yes, we, we can continue to kind of try and give opportunities for folks to better balance their time. Um, and it'll be, you know, the hybrid hybrid scenario, I think has helped in some ways it hurt, right. In terms of being at home all the time mm-hmm. and being able to impact things, but at the same time you're there, maybe you have, you have a little bit more fluidity. So if companies continue to actually offer that as an option, um, we might see some benefits there too. And I love too, that it's, it's, uh, I was at a conference at, um, university of Chicago a week ago. And there was a great economist there, Austin Goolsby, and he's like, okay, don't use the term great resignation, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the great reshuffle. It's not a labor shortage. It's that, you know, as I kind of teed it up earlier when we first kicked our podcast off, it's about 
our our expectations and our priorities have shifted. You know, we've got a taste of what it might be to be able to successfully juggle or balance, you know, my life and my job. And I'm, and I'm striving for, you know, an environment, a company, a culture where, you know, I can have my cake and eat it too, right? I can juggle it. I can balance it. And I can eliminate some of those stressors that like in that traditional workplace set of norms, oh, they existed, right? Absolutely. Um, All right. So we're going to take a short commercial break. I want to thank everybody who's been listening in to our Advancing All Women podcast. Don't leave us because when we come back, we're going to talk about more better practices and solutions. We'll talk to you in just a couple of minutes. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities. Get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Melissa Hurd, VP and General Manager at American Express, and Tiffany Mawinney, Principal at Deloitte U.S. Consulting Consumer Practice. And in today's discussion, we are focused on better practices for creating more equitable workplaces through gender-centered design. Alrighty, so we we dove into one of those first of the five pillars, which was, you know, how can you provide greater flexibility and predictability and consistency and in, in scheduling? And now we're going to dive into a couple of other ones. Um, why don't we go to, which which is one that I think has probably just been one of the more pivotal ones is how can, you know, leaders and organizations better support, you know, um, mental health and wellness. And 
like we all know, hey, the olden days were, you know, go see your doctor if you're not feeling well. And here's our 1-800-EAP line, you know, if you're having any, God forbid you even admit it, any mental or emotional challenges, right? And thank God, you know, <laughs> we are all enlightened. But um, Tiffany, um, I know there's a ton of great better practices on that front. Share with us a couple of groups and, and what they've done. Yeah, I think, you know, this one, I definitely agree with you, Sarah, as I think about over the course of the pandemic and all of the things that we were navigating, uh, you saw a plethora of companies kind of come to the forefront in in offering a broader view of what is health, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear Deloitte being one of those. We actually are a founding member of the a global organization supporting the better workplace of mental health and bringing your true self to work and how you can actually set up some of those structures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we navigated a lot. When you think about, and this is something we talk about in the paper, this notion of trauma and the things that people have gone through over the past, you know, three, four years, and be that internal and the dynamics of their job itself, every day-to-day business, being at their family life, or any of the geopolitical um, events that kind of transpired over the period of time, Mm -hmm. that companies had to recognize that there was things going on here that that 1-800-9 probably wasn't going to necessarily be enough to think about everything that makes a person whole and actually brings them pleasure and joy when they come to their work environment. Uh, So we saw a lot of of focus on, again, mental health, but also physical health, financial health, um, Mm -hmm. companies continuing to think about how they can support the entire person. And when you think about, you know, what health is and and wellness overall, it's really important for companies to actually advertise and also walk the walk. So you saw a a rollout of programs. Um, You know, we talked about Unilever in the paper around their employee assistance program, which is extremely comprehensive, Mm -hmm. offering resources across a variety of different areas, 24 hours a day, 365. And they weren't alone in terms of being able to pull together programs that, again, were a lot more holistic and push those out to all pieces of their organization. Um, We also saw ERG groups really being established, um, a company with Nestle having its ability to really think about caregiving, disability, illness, Mm -hmm. and again, mental wellness and having conversations around this and advertising it almost as a, a proud moment, even if our you know, if you had hidden issues before, there was a time and a moment, which I think everybody should really be proud of, of like bringing yourself to work and having conversations so that you could really be real about what you were navigating. Um, and companies have seen success from that. Mm-hmm. They're able to retain folks. They think that, you know, there is a purpose and I can align our values as a company aligned together. And I can really count on being supported as I think about that. And it works and shows huge um, levers in terms of retention when we think about the overall workforce experience. So, yeah. And, and, and it's not, it, it it's your own mental health because mm-hmm. mental health or mental wellness is health. Right. But also like family members, right. right. And, and navigating and supporting that. And, and that then spills over to, and you already referenced it, which is, The other pillar, which is it's not just about, hey, how do I support the mom or the dad who's had a baby or the couple, you know, who've had a baby or adopted a baby or fostered a baby, but it's caregiving in general, which, you know, mental health rolls into. And there are tons of great organizations that have expanded and really broadened, you know, caregiving to beyond just the birth, but 
other, you know, key medical events and then beyond just the physical, but also, you know, the mental. Um, Melissa, how about Amex? I'm sure they've, you know, developed a plethora of programs in either caregiving or mental health. Yeah, definitely. And and again, a lot of this are things that, as you said, were started pre-pandemic. Some of it's been kind of catapulted to the next level. Um, but, you know, we have a Healthy Minds program focused on, you know, all of those counseling elements, not just for you, for your family members, um, stress reduction options, um, caregiver discounts, how to get a babysitter, you know, I mean, all of those things that um, kind of life assistance more broadly. Um, so, you know, with all of the, the pressures of things that we're under and trying to juggle, we, you know, have a concierge that you can call that, you know, you can say, hey, I need help with X, Y, Z. Where do I even start? Um, and so, you know, broad support from that. But then, you know, as Tiffany, as you referenced, there's like that kind of comes in at the corporate level. But then we've also looked in terms of at the team level, how do we prepare our leaders for having comfortable conversations about some of these things? How do we uh, acknowledge with our team members directly, not just, hey, here's the 1-800 number to call, but Right. Oh, you, you came to me yeah. and, you know, you need this level of flexibility or, or I need to be understanding or, or I should be thinking of how to be understanding of what's happened in the world beyond us. Um, and that they that may be affecting someone on my team, someone um, in another organization in a different way. And, and so trying to give our our leaders and our team members the tools to have those conversations be open and transparent and doing those things of really bringing, you know, not just my holistic self to work, but also recognizing of, you know, what may be going on with my team or with the broader organization um, that, you know, I, I may or may not be equipped to handle, but I want to think about how I can support and, and be there as, as a support system and, and move yeah. the organization forward. Because traditionally it was, if such a situation or conversation arose, it's like, oh, go check in with HR, <laughs> exactly. right? And and exactly. and, to, and, to, and to your Here's point, the pamphlet. Here's the pamphlet. Here's the pamphlet to call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's still there's still a certain level of conversation, yeah, and an interaction that needs to happen. And and I love that concept of leading the leaders, right? You know, and- how can they? And it's, it's setting the tone and setting the culture, leading by example. Like I mentioned, you know, we have the ability to work remotely a certain, even if, you know, you're in a hybrid environment. And I really try to demonstrate to my team, hey, this, you know, this week I'm working from Minnesota. And, you know, when I'm doing something different, so we're, you know, leading by example with some of those things. And, you know, if we hear that people you know, need a mental break. They want to, you know, mm-hmm. that we've gotten survey feedback of, Hey, I have back-to-back meetings. I just want to go for a walk outside. Great. I have a one-on-one with you coming up. Let's go. Like, let's take it for a walk. You don't have to walk me through a PowerPoint deck. You don't have to, you know, it, it, like we, this can be a good mental break for both of us while we're, you know, balancing everything else as well. So, you know, it's that leading by example as well. Yeah. And I, a friendly reminder to everyone, this was something we picked up. We we borrowed from another leader group and I cannot remember who, or I would give full credit, 
but we embraced the whole quiet week. So that mm. week of Thanksgiving and then mm. that week of like Christmas and New Year's, you do a quiet week. So there are yeah. no meetings right now. You know, you do whatever you need to do to, you know, get the job done, but you really try to avoid any intense or structured meetings. You know, you use that time to tie up loose ends. You use that time to um, maybe do some learning. You know, quite frankly, you got to go pick up somebody from the airport. You know, <laughs> you got to go buy the turkey, right? But it's, it's you know, I, I just, I, we had our team meeting today, our senior leadership team meeting. And I'm like, okay, don't forget, we've got quiet week coming up. And I love it, right? We I call think- that a disconnect. We adopted that probably, I guess it's been three or four years now. I remember the first time like it happened and I mean, it was, it was really amazing to actually have I know. all of the email traffic just kind of subside a bit. And yeah, it was a collective moment. And I remember our CEO was, they were really kind of pushing, like these are going to happen. And it's the week, like you said, Thanksgiving and then between the holidays. Um, Although- I hope it's something that continues for sure. We, pro- we probably borrowed it from you. Although as I'm sitting here saying it, Melissa, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't happen in the credit card world. <laughs> like, like it is your busy season, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is our busy season, but yeah, I think, you know, the teams and I will say I have always been strongly encouraged to take my days off and you know you you have to use them uh before the end of the year and for some people that means they didn't take a day off until december 15th and then they shut down for the year and you know we we work on it as a team and figure it out but yeah yeah, we definitely want to respect people having that time to to shut down and disconnect and and as you said model that behavior of Hey, when I'm off, I'm trying to really be off and not yeah. you know, email my team or, or others and make them think, hey, she's she's on vacation with her family, but I can still give her a call. Right, right. No. It goes both ways. All right. Well, let's shift then because we've we've touched on four of the pillars. Um and and two of them, I think, are also intertwined, which is that intersectionality, right? Tiffany, you and I both referenced it earlier. And it, it, it's funny, we, we were preparing for another show that we're going to have in a couple of weeks. And in that prep discussion, we realized we're all intersectional, right? We're not just men or women, you know, yeah. our identity isn't just, you know, defined by our age or our role or function in a company. There's 19 dimensions of diversity, so there's there's a whole lot of us, you know, we're all intersectional, but because of that, particularly though, you know, as as our research and so many others have noted that for leaders of color, individuals of color, that intersectionality, it plays out as a, a very, you know, significant disadvantage in many ways. And it creates those 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 trauma triggers. Right. As in, and you know, you, you alluded to it, Tiffany, that there have been the medical, you know, pandemic challenges, but there have been the economic and the social and the political. And so allyship needed now more than ever. Right. As, as, you know, um, marginalized or underrepresented, you know, individuals and communities are challenged by this 
never ending surge of, you know, challenges and barriers, you know, what, you know, what can we do as allies, right, to step up and and make sure that we're, you know, tapping into the power and privilege that we have. Um, Tiffany, share, you know, some of the, the, the better practices on this front. Yeah, this one is uh, something that I think really blossomed over the course of the past four years across various companies around calling this, this title of allyship, right? Of like people who show up, you saw a lot of conversations around an education around practices, you know, unconscious bias, really trying to teach leaders like we all have bias, um, empathy, right? It's maybe not something that we can potentially teach someone, but trying to look and see and feel what and how should we be acting with each other across all of these different cohorts, right? You talked about intersectionality. Um, and I know from our personal, my, my personal standpoint in terms of Deloitte, um, we've really um, increased our amount of education across some of those topics that I discussed in terms of unconscious bias, profiling and talking with different allies and how you can show up being an ally what it means to actually coach people in this area as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm also really proud to say one of the, the representative, representative companies in the document that we had, the, the article was around Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and some of the work that they've done both here in Atlanta, broadly through the pandemic with their program around Together We Stand, Together We Must, um, was a really you know powerful m- moment for them in terms of also bringing awareness with the um, Paralympics and other other cohorts that you and intersections again that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily think of uh, all the time, right? But how do you actually enable your business workforce to mm-hmm. treat these folks as if you know they're really important? Everybody again is navigating all those pillars that we already talked about, and how do we actually show up for each other in action? Which I think is great. Absolutely, yeah, Melissa. How about Anna? Yeah, um, a few things to add on to that. I mean, it, it, the the, the Training and discussion around unconscious bias that Tiffany mentioned really resonates. We, you know, have have tried to make sure it's not just something that we discuss from a hiring practice or it's a you know one-time training, but we review what unconscious bias means before critical talent discussions, before you know, different points of the year when we're talking about our team members, just to remind ourselves and make sure we're in that space and willing to challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Um, on some of those things. And, um, you know, I, I really think it's helped, it help, it, you know, just open up the dialogue and make people much more um, aware and, and really putting training and, and discussion into practice and, and really making it tangible. Um, and the other thing I really liked is we've, you talk about these different colleague engagement groups. Um, so we have, you know, the Black Engagement Network, we have a women's network, we have, you know, a, a number of these organizations within American Express, like many companies do. But as we've also talked about having a very new workforce, we've really encouraged and, and had discussions and and given these different networks an opportunity to showcase what they do, not just to those who would traditionally fit into the category for those different work groups, but really tried to position it as, hey, wouldn't, you know, you could join this organization as an ally, and maybe this is an opportunity for you to come and become involved in different Mm -hmm. ways. And how do we cross-pollinate some of those organizations so there's a mentorship program that spans two of those groups and where do they connect? Um, And so I think we've really, you know, tried to 
keep those conversations more resonant. And, and I know also as we have members on the team who have been talking about how American Express supports Next Up, mm-hmm. we also have been very encouraging of making sure our ma- yeah. male colleagues know that they are more than welcome uh, to participate in the great programming and events that Next Up does. So, um, you know, we really, we really appreciate and and try to foster that culture of allyship and, you know, demonstrate it for, for others, but also encourage it with our team as well. We wholeheartedly welcome them. Thank you. Yeah, no. And, and I, and I loved your reference to the, the one, which is, you know, you don't have to self-identify in that community. That's, you know, that's a way where you can educate yourself, you know, expose yourself to different perspectives and, and, um, you know, and then to the cross collaboration across the employee engagement or employee resource groups that uh, I uh, just led a panel discussion at a conference last week. And we talked about how some of the better practice organizations take the head head leaders of each group and then they form a council. And then like once a mm-hmm. quarter, you know, they get together and share what's going on in each one of the different communities and how they might collaborate or share, you know, the better practices and, you know, love, love that because the, 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 the purpose is to create that sense of belonging, right? There are others like you within the organization, but you also don't want it to become an alienating community where everybody, you know, operates in their own little community and there isn't that, you know, integration and engagement. Um, I would not be a good CEO if I didn't shamelessly plug uh, our our Beyond Allies program that our incredible team has created. Uh, it's a it's a journey and it's a community, and we are teaching and curating allies. You know, both men and women. Um, it's it's you know too often I think people say, "Well, I'm an ally." you know, and it's, uh, it's more than that, right? You know, it's like you have to adopt the right attitudes, you know, the right behaviors, you need to advocate, you need to take action, you know, and most importantly, you need to educate. But if you're looking for, you know, a great new way to um, create more of an allyship culture, you know, check us out at nextupisnow.org. And um, it's a tremendous, tremendous program. I do think there's opportunities, Sarah, for, you know, the, the personal as leaders, as we think about as female leaders, kind of, and all the things we talked about um, within the cohort of intersectionality, et cetera, yeah. we can really push each other to, to, to go, to move into this area of allyship because it's extremely rewarding. Agreed. Agreed. Right. As a, as someone who has, again, like kind of been on a journey for the past like two years and really consciously, like we have different co coaches or coaches, I guess, right. That I get to mentor other, you know, I, I consciously now try and find someone who is not necessarily similar to my path. Right. And what I went through. Um, and it's been really rewarding to hear and educate myself and, and kind of give back in certain ways. Um, and then also mentoring that and, and modeling it for your, your staff. Right. I think it's really incredibly important. So if you could take away anything from this call today, because that's what you can action yourself. And you don't necessarily have to like rely on your company, right? Like you can, you can make that happen today. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. 
Um, well, Melissa and Tiffany, thank you so very much for, you know, joining us today and sharing your perspectives and and what I know are some great solutions that have been working successfully. And, you know, Tiffany, as always, thank you for this tremendous partnership. Uh, you can find this incredible uh, paper at nextupisnow.org. Its title is Creating More Equitable Workplaces Through Gender-Centered Design. And then you can also find it uh, at the Deloitte URL. So please plug that. Let us know what that is. I'm sorry. Deloitte.com. Yeah, you can find it on our website. No, no, absolutely. (laughs) I was like, my clue. Promote it. Yeah, no, all good. Hey, it was, it was, it was a, it was a team effort. So I wanted to make sure credit was, credit was given where credit is due. Much appreciated. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you everybody else for listening in today. Uh, Our guests were incredible. I want to thank Voice America for always giving me a next up the opportunity to share our voice and mission with all of you. To learn more about Next Up and to listen to any of our other podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter. Thank you for always listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with Next Up. Be sure to check out all the episodes on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.